0: Hello everyone, I am Guy Valente and this is the Valente Brothers Podcast. I'm joined by Pedro Valente. Hello everyone, very excited to be here. And Joaquim Valente. Hello everyone, very happy to be here with all of you today. So we're back for another episode, uh, a special one. We're approaching a very important um, landmark in our history. Uh, in a few in a, in a few weeks, right? I think April twenty seventh, nineteen fifty three. Uh, our grandfather, who had been inspired by a colleague in medical school, a Japanese friend, uh, to learn jujitsu, he actually took his first classes from this Japanese friend, who was a judo black belt, and came to Brazil to attend medical school. But in nineteen fifty three, he decided to join. Uh, a jiu jitsu school with his son, right? Under the tutelage of Grandmaster Elio Grace. And today, four generations of our family um, now we can say have practiced jiu jitsu. And the objective was always self defense, but also to live a healthy, positive lifestyle, wellness. Pedro, is Jiu-Jitsu and wellness always connected?
1: For us, it is. We believe that jiu when practiced um, according to certain principles and por- protocols, is one of the most healthy activities that you can engage in. It is something that really creates movement of all parts of the human body in a very natural way. From head to toes, literally from head to toe, everything is exercised, everything is conditioned, flexibility, strength, endurance. I believe it's one of the most complete and healthiest forms of exercise that exist. We grew up,
0: Joaquin, um, learning from our mentors that there were three main Physical exercises that we should learn and we
2: should practice. Uh, Do you remember them? Yes. (laughs) Horseback riding, self defense, and swimming. Yes. And why do you think those three? I think that our dad was inspired by the samurai. He was someone who studied a lot the Japanese culture and the culture of the samurai. And those are activities that the samurai would put young children to practice. And uh, he believed that would really help for many different reasons in the development of the child and building self-confidence and, and being ready to be able to face challenges of the world. Horseback riding, for example, had a huge uh, influence in building confidence since a young age, being able to be in control of such of a big animal, Right. Uh, jiu-jitsu the confidence of learning how to defend yourself and the philosophy and being on the mat and and, and sparring and being dealing with uncomfortable situations swimming the same thing being in the ocean being the pool being being able to be ready to face sometimes you know in rio we had a rough ocean It was very common to have a rough ocean more than in miami because we don't have the bahamas that protect us from the waves so a typical day in the beach in Rio, you got to be a good swimmer if you want to go inside the water. And I remember, you know, my swimming skills got tested with my brother Guy a couple of times there. And uh, so those activities came in very handy in preparing, you know, ourselves and our lives to be, to be able to face challenges.
1: Pedro, why are those and, and, three? And He was inspired by the samurai and also by his teacher, Grandmaster Helio, who in addition to his self-defense skills, was also part of a swim team when he was a teenager. One time, actually jumped from a ship to save a person who was who was drowning very rough waters, so he was a very good swimmer, and also loved horses. So our father, because jiu-jitsu teachers become role models many times for their students. And so he had in Grandmaster Elio a role model who was very passionate about those three activities, about self-defense, about swimming, and about Horseback riding.
0: And would you say that Edu Gracie and possibly his brothers were also influenced by the
1: Japanese tradition? Undoubtedly. You know, Carlos Gracie, as a teenager, started training at Mitsui Maeda School in Belém do Pará.
0: So, the origin of these three um, practices
1: you would attribute to the samurai warrior? I would, and our father was always connected these three activities to the samurai warriors.
0: Yeah, the picture, one of the pictures that we have in our museum of a samurai is actually on a horse, and that was chosen. It's a picture that was chosen by our father because he believed that it was so connected to the warrior of the past. The horse
1: was really instrumental for the warriors of the past. And to, to talk specifically about what you asked about wellness in jujitsu. We can discuss many aspects of that. As I described, movement of the body, right? The ability to get on the floor, because when you're on the floor, you can move in ways that you can't standing up. The use of the legs in so many different ways, in different directions. Because human beings use the legs for what? For walking, for running, not for much. And when we are training on the ground, we use our legs in ways that someone who's not training would not use so the ways that we move our ability to fall our ability to stand up especially as we grow older this mobility that comes with the practice of jiu-jitsu is extremely powerful but we can also talk about the the benefits especially for children but for anyone of the grappling of the contact of the physical contact what some people call rough housing rough play when two human beings are engaged in grappling with each other, that also has a tremendous benefit in wellness and something that really creates um, health for the person practicing, not just physical health, but mental health as well. So one of the characteristics of our style
0: of jiu-jitsu, and as you like to say, jujitsu can be um, expressed in many different ways, right? I think you refer to it as different expressions of jiu-jitsu. Um, the expression of jujitsu that we focus on here at Valencia Brothers is really about self-defense, survival, street awareness, uh, following the instruction that we received from our teacher, Grandmaster Elio, uh, who did this not only for the civilian uh, public, but also for the law enforcement and military in Brazil. But um, I think that What we really try to do is connect the self-defense of the body, right, against possible attackers, with the mental self defense, the emotional self defense.
1: Do you the physical self-defense in other ways as well, through nutrition and and you know, protecting ourselves from diseases, not just from somebody that might attack us in the street, but the other enemies that exist. Correct. External and internal. Correct. And
0: sometimes the, the greatest enemy that we might face is within. Correct. And I think that we, through the 753 code, our philosophical code, I think we really try to put this together, right, trakin Understanding that, yeah, you might be ready to fight someone in the street. You might be ready to, you know, throw a punch, throw a kick. But if you don't know about nutrition if you don't practice your ability to be more balanced emotionally, if you don't develop a more well-rounded sense of your surroundings, you're not fully ready,
2: capable to defend yourself. Absolutely. And I think that you know we were in a privileged position to be able to incorporate this in the best way possible into our programs. Not only we had amazing role models, right, Grandmaster Elu, and our dad, but we also went through a period where we saw the lack of a philosophy, and we also studied through history books and through right trips that we took overseas and going to, you know, national archives and really going into the history. Research. We saw we saw that the the philosophy was present in Japan and had a, a very important value during a certain time. And also the loss of that philosophy, the, what happened in Japan when the philosophy was no longer present in the teaching. So with all that material that we gathered and all those experiences that we lived through, I think is the reason why the 753 code is so instrumental today in all of our curriculums and everything that we do.
1: And one thing that I'd like to say is that when the when the mindset is a self-defense mindset, what is self-defense? Defending yourself from what? From injury, from getting hurt. Because when somebody tries to attack you, they're gonna hurt you. You don't wanna get hurt. But the only way but get in, getting hurt in a street fight is not not the only way that you can get hurt. There are other ways that you can. So when you think about self-defense in a in a more global way, in a more comprehensive way, then nutrition is self-defense. Because why do we practice a rational nutrition because we want to defend ourselves against diseases, against sickness. We want to have more health. We want to have more longevity when we exercise in a sensible way. That's self-defense. So to me, it doesn't make sense that we are going to practice a self-defense art and somehow hurt ourselves while doing it, taking substances that are not healthy in order to enhance our ability to practice self-defense. For example, so when you have a self-defense mindset, that means that you should do everything that you can to protect your health. So I think what we're, what we're trying to say is that
0: there's so much more about wellness, jujitsu for wellness, than the punches, the kicks, the arm locks, the triangles, the yeah. throws, right? It's much bigger than that. And as we developed our curriculums, we incorporated something that we have to credit to Judo, to our training of Judo, which were the breakfalls. So we created a system. We refer to it as fall protection.
1: How is that important, Peter? And Japanese, it's called ukemi waza. And it's something that really helps the student because when students first come in, they are not used to the movements of fighting. We
0: yes. have lost as a society, as,
1: as we evolved. These
0: moves are no longer instinctive. Yeah, we're not on for the floor anymore. Being. Especially Correct. adults who start training are not used to being on the floor, not used to falling on the floor. Correct. And so
1: people get seriously injured when they fall. Injuries that many times can be avoided if you know the proper technique on how to fall. And I'm not just talking about falling when you're training, somebody throwing you. But I'm talking about a slip in the bathroom, riding a bicycle, riding a horse, playing sports.
0: We actually like to say that, um, and I think you were the one who who started saying this in our Fighting Foundations classes, that there's a very big chance that uh, one day you will fall. Much right. higher, than the, chance Much higher than the chance of being attacked, that having to use a headlock defense or a punch block defense or any grappling techniques. So, so you have to be trained in how to fall.
1: And I like to say that these are the most imp- because of what you just said. Breaking fall protection is one of the most important elements that we teach in our school. And so, when you fall, you're going to fall either forward, backwards, or to the sides. So, for each one of these directions, we have specific techniques that will decrease the chance, the likelihood that you're going to get hurt.
0: And you do it every single time you step on the mat. Correct. That's what we recommend our students. We have exercises that really force you to do it, but we also recommend that every time you're on the floor, you remind yourself of those techniques and you do them um, regularly so that they become instinctive reactions. Something as reflexes. Like
1: falling and standing up. Every time we go to the ground... Our students who say, okay, lie down, please. They usually go down by breaking, breaking the, fall. the fall. And every time they stand up, they stand up technically, standing yeah. up in base. And part of the ukemi, ukemi,
0: uh, waza, techniques, uh, waza is techniques, but
1: the rows, correct. Zempo kaiten. Zempo kaiten, the back row as well, because that has to do with protecting the neck, right? When you don't know how to f- roll, even if you fall from a bicycle or if you fall from a horse, You can hit your face on the ground and you could hurt your neck. You could also hurt your head. When you learn how to roll, you learn how to roll over the shoulder.
0: It's interesting that Grandmaster Elio did not include these techniques in his book.
1: Yes, right. but that was part of his...
0: We even have, well, we learned as children um, in his private lessons, we learned the rolls from him. And we have newspaper articles of him even talking about the importance of the back roll and the forward roll to avoid injury. Not
1: just that, but I have one of the old curriculums. It's not in the book, but I have one of the old curriculums with the pictures that he took. And, and, and he there you, there he you, h- you, you see, see him, that it was part of his curriculum. Yeah. Yeah, because in his book he was talking more about the
0: actual fighting aspect. Fighting aspect. Correct. But it should be part of um, a curriculum. If you're teaching jujitsu for self defense 100%, actually, anytime you grapple, You should be well versed in in rolling because if you're not learning specifically how to roll, that could be It creates a bigger risk. risk, It creates a bigger risk. Um what about the influence of sport
1: in the jujitsu practice? I wouldn't even call it the influence of sport, I would call it the influence of winning. Yeah. The winning mindset. Winning above all. So what's the objective? Self-defense or winning? When the objective becomes winning, then we see, unfortunately, that many times people will do whatever it takes to win. And this mindset of doing whatever it takes to win can be detrimental to health, to wellness. Because if taking a substance, for example, that is going to enhance your performance and your ability to win... If your objective is to win, number one, above all, above your wellness, above your well-being, then you're going to take it. But that that is contrary to self-defense, to the mindset, the spirit of self-defense, which is to protect yourself. And if you know that that substance is going to be harmful to your body, with the wellness mentality, with the self-defense mentality, you would never take it. And so I believe that that's the shift that you see in sport, in, in tournaments, is that... Winning becomes more important than self-defense. Winning becomes more important than wellness.
0: Well, Jigoro Kano, he... As he organized Jigoro Kano, the, the founder of Kodokan Judo, uh, a jiu-jitsu, a new jiu-jitsu method that became eventually an Olympic sport, he, over time, he prohibited certain techniques. Of course, in handori, which is sparring, The word handori, for those of you that don't know, is connected to chaos. Uh, The kanji, the Japanese kanji, uh, mean chaos.
1: Because of its unpredictable nature, there's no choreography inspiring. Correct. And especially on the ground, there's a lot of room for Improvisation. improvisation, improvisation, and people are always going to do things in different ways. You and adaptation to body types. Correct. You can't choreograph a fight. You can't say the hand is going to be exactly here, the arm is going to be exactly there. It, it, there's room for a lot of um, differences in the ways the techniques can be applied. And even different techniques can be developed in the moment as practitioners are um, sparring.
2: And wouldn't you say... But
1: let me just
0: get back to my original point and... Joaquin can talk about it, which is exactly why Jigoro Kanu created these safety mechanisms as far as which techniques he chose to allow and which techniques he chose to disallow. And this continued eventually through experience. Some techniques were removed from um, the practice of Judo, of competitive Judo. There
1: was always a balance between safety and realism and trying to find that balance. So always, even before Jigoro Kanu, you already had safety rules when it came to, came to sparring, avoiding strikes, different, different types of rules to be able to create a safe environment, but at the same time, realistic. So the considerations were always based on that. Jigoro Kanu wanted to make sure that practitioners could train safely, but at the same, ta- at the same time, having that chaotic which you said, Randori means chaos, that chaotic, unpredictable environment, which is what happens in a street fight. If everything is choreographed, you cannot get a realistic feel for what happens when somebody is resisting.
2: And that's the advantage that I was going to mention, that I feel that jujitsu has over some other styles, and, and even within an, uh, uh, martial arts, there's different styles in which people practice, and some styles are only choreographed. And I think the advantage that jujitsu jitsu gives you in a real street situation is that you're used to the chaos. You're used to someone trying to take you off balance and improvising techniques, and you having to deal with that discomfort and problem-solve in the moment, the best way for you to be able to react in each scenario. And, and, And that's a great point. And
0: I think that, Pedro, in this atmosphere of improvisation where moves can be done to you sometimes even without you expecting most of the time. Yeah. most of the times and that's some, the
2: that's objective right yeah
0: well sometimes you might expect depending on your level <laughs>
2: no but i'm saying but the objective of the Correct. person who's it's doing a, a move is to, to have surprise when you lose uh, surprise the undoubt- technique truly doesn't work
0: undoubtedly so in that atmosphere what will allow you to defend yourself and to protect yourself is not the knowledge of every single technique that can be done against you. That's actually impossible. That's impossible. What allows you to defend yourself are a few principles, a few safety principles that students should learn in the early days of their training. So this notion that in order to be safe, you have to know every single technique that's going to be done against you. And actually, if you don't know a technique, you are at risk works against one of the primary goals of Grandmaster Elio Gracie, which was to give students confidence. Elio Gracie said, I don't care what you do to me. I don't need to know what you're going to do to me. I defend myself based on my defensive principles. He
1: would actually say, my defense accounts for all the techniques that exist and all the techniques that are going to be invented in the future. He would actually say that because he said, it's not about what you're doing to me, it's about my ability to defend
0: myself correct because and our, our body turns a certain way our neck all of our necks turn a certain way and don't turn a certain way our arms bend a certain way and don't bend a certain way and that applies to every single joint and to every choking technique so you don't have to know the creations you don't have to know what somebody is inventing in order to be able to defend yourself that's so important
2: we okay, I master to say just try So stop talking. Just try the move on me and and let's see what happens. Just try. Correct. And I think that the confidence, which is the objective as an instructor, as a professor that we're trying to give students, comes from the ability for the student to be able to not be dependent on us. I always felt that from Graham Estrello. He wanted to give me the tools so that I could figure things out on my own. Correct. And when everything becomes so choreographed and everything you have to know what the person is going to do, that loses the main principle of jiu-jitsu, which is being able to deal with chaos and developing the art of adaptability, which I believe is one of the most important elements that jiu-jitsu gives you, and you can apply that in life in so many different scenarios. And Joaquin, for just a brief moment, if you may, how does that compare, relate to the tactical world? Which is based on scenarios, Right. You can have a great shooter that goes to the range and, and shoots at static targets, and he can shoot targets extremely far, and he can be super quick on his draw. But when you put him within a scenario and having to problem-solve a scenario, things can change. We saw a scenario you know, a couple, I think a week ago, in uh, Tennessee, where two very brave police officers went into a school with an active shooters, and they were able to neutralize the threat. And that's a chaos right? I hope they were they were able to train before that scenario, but their courage and their acts to go into that school saved a lot of innocent lives. And there's no way that you're going to be able to be in a scenario like this if and, and do well. I shouldn't say that there's no way. There's always a way, right? But I would say that most people would not be able to react well in a scenario like this if they have not being in situations where their chaos is tested and they are trained to be in those chaos situations. Is it fair to say that it's impossible to replicate every single
0: scenario or every thing that happens in a scenario without some level of improvisation? Yeah, it's, uh,
2: it's, it's not possible.
0: So that's the same in Jiu Jitsu. It's impossible. So, as Jiu Jitsu teachers were saying, we're stating that it's impossible for a jiu-jitsu teacher to train a student so that he is expecting every single move that might be used against him. Yes. What is possible is what we learn from our teacher to be ready based on a few principles that will
1: keep you as safe as possible. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And, and, and always focusing on training jiu-jitsu, as you said, on the way that you feel is best for you and everybody's going to have a different way. At Valente Brothers, we train jiu-jitsu a certain way and we have protocols in place for the training to happen in a way that, as you said earlier, focuses on self-defense, survival, and wellness. That's our objective. Other schools are going to have different objectives and we believe in freedom.
0: Yes, and, and, and I think that's uh, not negotiable, Right? To give up our freedoms to express Jiu-Jitsu in whichever way we choose to do so. Exactly. Right? The same way that we choose to practice Jiu-Jitsu for self-defense, I want my fellow neighbor who might choose to practice Jiu-Jitsu for sport to have that freedom. Correct. According to what he finds or she finds the best way to teach Jiu-Jitsu. And... and
1: Or any other martial art. Correct. And if you look at what we do at Valente Brothers, we have our method. And we're very comfortable with this method. And we put a lot of thought and a lot of work into creating this method. It's a very specific method, the VB method. But other schools are going to have other methods, other objectives. And who are we to tell the other schools that they have to follow our method? We're always open to sharing what we do and what we have with people who are interested. But for us to try to impose our way and to try to say that what we do is better than anybody else, I believe is wrong. And not
2: only is it wrong, but it's even... Because their objective is different. What's really?
0: the word? What's the word?
2: <laughs> presumptuous. Yeah, it's, you know... Because think about it. Hubris. We, we, Hubris. Have, we have a specific objective with all of our students. And we're very clear and honest when someone walks into the school about those objectives. And I think I mentioned this in, in this podcast before, that not too long ago, a mom came, brought their kid to class. And after the class, they said, Look, I like the class, but what I really want is for my kid to be a jiu-jitsu competitor. I want him to participate in competitions of jiu-jitsu. And I said, Look, if that's your objective and that's what you want for your kid and he wants that we're not the best school. Absolutely. Because I don't even know the points o- of Jiu-Jitsu competitions. So, you know some points. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I think Mount, four points. Cast <laughs> the guard, three points. Yeah. So maybe, I do know some. But, that honesty, it's very important. Now, if I say that a uh, sport Jiu-Jitsu school has to follow my methodology, oh. then I'm completely ignoring the fact that they have a different objective than my school has. Correct. So, are there some situations where we might cross paths and we have great things to be able to share and to to teach other students uh, other school owners and learn also absolutely but we have to understand that there is different objectives and if there's different objectives there's going to be many different roads for you to be able to reach the top of the mountain
1: yeah and we for example at valente brothers one of our main goals is safety right and we do everything we can for aspiring to be safe and we have specific protocols in place for sparring to be safe but we also have to understand that not only people have different objectives but people also have different tolerance for risk yeah so other people might want to practice in a more risky way and that's okay
0: yeah just like a basketball player who plays in you know different basketball academies in the country chooses to you know dunk over people and to do certain moves that increase the chance of injury.
2: And if you're not willing to take risk, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to stay the whole day at home. Correct. Risk is part of evolution. Risk and being able to create chaos creates risk. Correct. When we created our tactical program here and the way that we teach our tactical program inside of you know our school, there's more risk associated to that right? We're doing force on force. We're firing a train ammunition at each other to be able to give students the ability to learn how to react in those kind of scenarios. So this is a risk that me as an instructor, I'm assuming, but I believe that this is extremely important for the development of our students on being able to know how to handle a firearm and to be able to handle scenarios. And that's why we chose to go in that path. So Pedro Joaquin, let's talk a little bit now about Injuries in Jiu-Jitsu.
0: Um, it's fair to say that currently, and I was looking at some stats recently, there are over 5, 6 million Jiu-Jitsu practitioners training Jiu-Jitsu currently all over the world. Some train every day. Some train a couple times a week. And these are numbers that account for at least a few times of practice a month. So imagine how many times... Um, if we had to multiply all of that, sparring sessions, um, practice sessions. According to our research, there's been a few. We can say a few, right? It's single digit. Most of my research showed a single digit number. Maybe a double digit. Definitely not more than that according to my research. No, double digit, uh, single digit. Single digit of catastrophic injuries connected to um, the practice of grappling jiu-jitsu. And also according to these...
1: In a span of 60, 70 years, yes.
0: And according to these uh, preliminary research numbers, it would also be fair to say that (laughs) the practice of jiu-jitsu is safer than basketball, soccer, and many other competitive sports. Driving a car. Driving a car. That are also very safe. <laughs> yes. Right? For the most part. However, injuries can happen. Sure. Can happen in this school and can happen in any other school.
1: Correct. Despite good safety measures. it's We train combat. Correct. And so we are assuming that risk.
0: Well, if you're training ballet, which is not combat, you can also have catastrophic injury. Correct. Right? So it's, that risk is present. As, and as Joaquin said, if you're not willing to take a risk, you have to stay home. And that's also a risk, by the way. Yeah. Because then you're going to have different types of, of problems.
1: So are there things that can be done to mitigate risk? Are there things that can be done to create a more safe environment? Yes, there are. And we do. Many things here, part of our protocols and and the process before sparring begins for our students, we believe that those protocols that we have in place minimize the risk of injury, especially catastrophic injury. And we can discuss them later in a different opportunity. But But the fact is that it is important that we're honest with our students, that yes, there is a risk of injury when you train and you're willing. And part of the courage that we develop as jiu practitioners is to face that risk, to face that situation and, and to not be afraid of that and to move forward and understand that that's, it's good for us to do it and that the benefits outweigh the risks. But not lying to ourselves and thinking it's... There no there's no risk because as Joaquin said, if you live life like that, you, you have to stay home. You can't live, you can't you can't do anything. And with you that can't mentality. improve, you can't develop. Because a lot evolve. of people they, they live life and they rather not think about the risks. I think it's better to understand the risks and to accept them.
0: Some people like to what is the term in English? Sugar
2: coating.
1: Yes. Yes. And and, and that's not healthy. Because many
2: times you know, focusing on the risk is a good excuse. To not face other issues issues that are stopping you from being able to you know get involved in a certain activity or dealing with a certain problem, and you know the risk is something easy for us to point the finger at. Yeah, but but you know just to add to what Guy and Pedro said, the risk necessary for you to be able to step into a jujitsu school and the courage to overcome those risks and to start training jujitsu are far greater for someone that doesn't understand the art than someone that has a deep understanding. And when you have that deep understanding, is our job as instructors and as professors to be able to use the tools that we have on hand to show students that they will be able to succeed once they take that step forward. And it's not by saying that there's no risk, but it's showing them that even though there's risk, there's great gains that they're going to take from being able to train jiu and that's a process, right? That's something that sometimes takes... We have a good example of a good friend of ours that started taking tactical training with us and has been our friend. We have friends in common. And for a great time, he has a history of neck injuries and, and, and medical conditions. And for a long time, he said, I can't train, I can't train, I can't train. And now he started training and he said, every day he texts me and calls me and says, thank you so much for encouraging me to train because it really has brought attention in so many different areas that has been ve- beneficial to me jujitsu that I never imagined, even though the risk is there.
1: It's, it's important that we speak about this and that we're honest about the fact that there's always risk. And facing the risk is part of why we believe that through the practice of this wonderful martial arts, we can actually develop courage.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I think of our teacher, Grandmaster Elio, who... Passed away when he was 95 years old, and several times, and it's really several. He told us we would arrive sometimes at his home, as he was already in his 90s. He would share with us that he slipped and fell, and that you know the ability to break the fall is what saved him, and what gave him the ability to to break the fall and to and to save himself from an injury that is so common and sometimes so devastating um, for elderly, for the elderly, was the fact that he was taken down and that he faced that risk so many times in his life. Right, Trakeem? Our father, one time also, he was in his 70s, and he was riding his horse in our ranch in Rio de Janeiro, and the horse stepped in a hole, and he went flying uh, face first into the floor. And what did he do without thinking? Forward roll. Now, if you look at the video, unfortunately, we don't have that video because it would have been uh, a viral video on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, It was not a perfect forward roll. Exactly. (laughs) He could not do it perfectly. According to the textbook, it was probably a little bit on his side. Sure. But he rolled and it worked and it saved his life. Correct. So, but again, he developed that from practicing it many times and and from... um, His willingness to accept that risk. Anything else? So once again, thank you so much. Uh, Please don't forget to to like this this episode, like our page, uh, subscribe to our channel if you haven't yet, and turn on the notification bell. Thank you so much, and we'll see you very soon.